Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. But we're going to continue today our series in uh, the stories. Stories. Uh, we believe here at Canvas Church that God through his son Jesus Christ, has the absolute ability to redeem and restore everyone's story in this place today. Um, that your story, as you look at your life, you look at your story, you might be looking at it right now thinking, man, there's some destructive moments, there's some moments that are kind of just jacked up. Um, guess what? It's okay because when Jesus Christ enters the story, he has a supernatural way of redeeming that. And we've been talking about that throughout the last several weeks, and we want to continue that thought today. And I want to specifically continue that thought with one of what I believe is one of the biggest game-changer moments in my life. And I want to share it with you today. Um, and I want to share not only from my perspective, but I want to share it with you uh, from a guy named Peter in Scripture. And so turn in your Bibles this morning, if you would, or if you have one of those point-and-click ones, the digital ones, or maybe you don't have a Bible yet at all, uh, you can simply download one to your phone right now. I mean, you have all the other apps on there. You probably have Facebook on there. You have Instagram on there. Some of you have Snapchat. Anybody, anybody Snapchatting out there? It's okay. You can raise your hand. I know it's mostly young people. Okay, thank you. Uh, we got some Snapchatters. Why not download a Bible so you have a Bible with you all the time? And we're going to go uh, to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 26, and we're going to pick it up in around verse 69, and we're going to read a couple, of, a couple of verses here. And, um, and I want you to know something that when Jesus was on the scene and he was walking the earth, man, redeeming people's stories, he made several claims. He made claims that someone was going to come after him called the Holy Spirit that was going to lead you and guide you in all truth. And, uh, man, that, is, that understanding of what he meant by that and experiencing the work of the Holy Spirit in my life has been one of the biggest game changers I've ever experienced. And Jesus made this claim in John 14, 26. And he said, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you, John 14, 26. He makes a promise, man, that the Holy Spirit, we're doing a disco today. I'll wrap my message. The Holy Spirit is going to come to you and be your helper. And so I want to read to you uh, right now about a guy named Peter. Peter is one of the 12 great apostles in Scripture. Man, does a lot of cool stuff, is used by God in a mighty way. Uh, we're going to, uh, where we pick it up, read in Matthew chapter 26. Peter has now spent about three to four years of his life actually ministering alongside of Jesus, which means he's actually seen Jesus do creative miracles. I mean, lame people, people that couldn't walk, man, they're able to walk again. Peter's seeing this with his own eyes. Deaf ears are opened up. Blind eyes are opened up. Even people are being raised from the dead. Peter has now seen this happen, okay? And here, though, we see something about Peter um, that he actually gets scared, and he runs for his life. What's happened now is Jesus has been arrested uh, by the leaders and rulers of the area, and he is being led away, which ultimately he's being led away to be crucified. And so now the other apostles, disciples, those followers of Jesus are kind of hiding in the shadows, lurking in the shadows, a little bit fearful. Here's a little snippet about Peter where he's at. In Matthew chapter 26, starting in verse uh, roughly 69, it says, Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. A servant approached him, and she said, You were with Jesus the Galilean too. But he denied it in front of everyone. I do not know what you are talking about. Exclamation point. 
Verse 71. When he had gone out to the gateway, another woman saw him and told those who were there, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Verse 72. And again he denied it. Now listen to this time. Again he denied it with an oath. I don't know the man. Second time he denies him. After a while, those standing there approached and said to Peter, you certainly are one of them since even your accent gives you away. Then he started to curse. Hello. One of the apostles, one of the great leaders of the New Testament church. Now, in my mind, I'm thinking he's dropping F-bombs. Come on, somebody, right? I don't know what his cursing was, but he is, he's, he's like adamant. He's like, no. What? Just, anyway, all right. Then he started to curse and swear with an oath. I don't know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed, and Peter remembered the words of Jesus, the words that Jesus spoke to him just, just literally maybe hours, days before. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly because he had just denied Jesus, the one that he walked with for several years. Now, I want to I fast forward now to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. So you can either point and click or just take your paper Bible and shuffle over until you find Acts. Acts chapter 2. Because now we're going to see a completely different Peter in just a moment here. One, one, one Peter, man, is denying Jesus. He's fearful for his life. Acts chapter 2. Check this out, starting in verse 1. And it says, when the day of Pentecost had arrived. Now, now what is Pentecost? The word Pentecost is, is literally means the number 50. Okay, it's, it's the number 50. In, in, in here, what we understand, it is the celebration of the birthing of the New Testament church. We're, cel we're celebrating today in church. This is like the birthing of the New Testament church. Uh, the reason it's called Pentecost, because it happens about 50 days after the Passover. The Passover being the celebration of, of what took place in the Old Testament when the children of Israel were getting led out of Egypt. Uh, then an angel came and was going to strike dead. Um, all of the Egyptians, but to ensure that God's people didn't get struck dead, they would, they would take the blood of a lamb, they put it over the door, doorpost, and so whenever an angel would fly over, um, over you know, the area, he would see that blood, symbolic of the blood of Jesus Christ in the New Testament, and they would see that an angel would pass over, okay? That's the Passover celebration. Now the Pentecost, 50 days later, what's happening now is they're celebrating freedom, because number 50 in the Bible is representative of freedom. They're representing freedom. Now, specifically here, freedom that's found in the birthing of the New Testament church. Are you with me? So here they are, celebrating Pentecost, the birthing of the New Testament church. Cool things are about to happen. Here they go. When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like that of a violent, rushing Wind. You know, can I get some uh, audience participation here? Can you make a wind sound real quick? That wasn't very violent. Can you make it sound more violent? Okay. That's beautiful. Okay, that's caught on video. Here they are. A violent rushing wind whoosh, comes from heaven. 
and it filled the whole house where they were staying. And listen to this now, and tongues like flames of fire that were divided appeared on them and rested each on one of them. Now, I have honestly no clue what that fully looked like, but I am going to watch that video clip in heaven. Come on, somebody, right? I mean, if they had Facebook back then, that would have been Facebook Live right there. Oh, my gosh. There's like little bonfires on everybody's head, right? Little tongues of fire whipping around. Listen to what it says. Then they were all filled, filled, baptized, outpouring with the Holy Spirit. And look what happened. And began to speak in different languages or in tongues as the Spirit gave them ability for speech. I want you to notice something, okay? Because here's something we need to understand in our journey through Christianity and our journey of faith, that everything that happens in the kingdom of God, everything that you and I receive from God is received through a posture of faith, okay? The Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please him. And he that comes to God must believe that he is and is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now, I want you to notice in Scripture that they began to speak as the Spirit gave them the utterance, okay? In other words, they're hearing, and now in faith, they're speaking. Are you with me? Here they go. So they're speaking in tongues as the Spirit began to give them. There were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when the sound occurred, a crowd came together and was confused because each one heard them speaking in his own language. And they were astounded and amazed, saying, look, aren't all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that each of us hear in our own native language? And then it goes on to name all of the different uh, places that are there. In verse 12, they were all astounded and perplexed saying to one another, what could this be? But some sneered and said, they are full of new wine. In other words, they drunk. But Peter stood up with the 11 and raised his voice and proclaimed to them, men of Judah and all you residents of Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Pay attention to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only nine in the morning. Now let me pause there, because I know some of you probably have some friends that are drunk at nine in the morning, okay? This is not them, all right? This, is not, this was not common then. And so is this, well, hold on, let me just explain something to you, okay? You think they're drunk, you think they, 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 they tapped into dad's, you know, wine chest, and no, no, that's not what took place, okay? I also want you to notice this. Peter stands up. There are devout Jews from every nation. I mean, literally every language is represented there. And the same guy that was running scared for his life just days ago, right, is now standing boldly and begins to speak to them. Let's read on. They're not drunk as you suppose. It's early in the morning. On the contrary, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel, Old Testament prophet. And it will be in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all humanity. Then your sons and your daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. In other words, Pastor Ben is prophesying and Steve Fitzpatrick is getting dreams. Come on, somebody. And I'll even pour out my spirit on your male and your female servants. Now go with me 
in the same passage, Acts chapter 2. Go with me to verse 22. 22. And it says, men of Israel, listen to these words. This Jesus, the Nazarene, was a man pointed out to you by God with miracles, with wonders, and signs that God did among you through him. Just as you yourselves know, though he was delivered up according to God's determined plan and foreknowledge, you used lawless people to nail him to the cross and kill him. Are you hearing the same message that I'm hearing? Okay. This is Peter, the guy that days before was running for his life. He's scared. This is the same Peter that was like, no, I don't know you. I don't know you. Not once, not twice, but three times. And now he gets up in this moment and he begins to preach one of the most horrific messages ever heard. This is not one of those messages that you hear in in Western churches today. All right, you go to church today and you're like, let me give you three points about how you can be successful in life. Serve Jesus, love Jesus, walk with Jesus. Go in peace. Right? I mean, you come to church today and we're going to share with you three points about how you can have a happy marriage. Who wants a happy marriage? You guys aren't going to believe this. No one raised their hand. So the opposite of a happy marriage is a crappy marriage. All right. So I guess that's what you guys want. All right. We'll pray for you all at the end. All right? He doesn't get up and, and preach like these, these, these fluffy points that you walk out being like, oh, my gosh, that was such a great message today. I feel so light and airy. I mean, that was, man, I just love church. No, this is what he gets up. He goes, you guys are murderers. You killed Jesus. And you know what happens next? Like, we read the whole story. Like, 3,000 people come forward and, and, and get saved. Which makes me think, maybe we need to re- re- pre- or rethink what we're preaching in church today, right? And we can just, everyone comes in, we sing one nice song, and I just get up and say, hey, you guys are all murderers. <laughs> Everyone's saved, right? This is, he's going after it. He's being bold. He's being radical. And he's preaching a message that isn't, isn't light and fluffy. Where did this come from? Now go with me to verse 32 through 33. Verse 32 through 33. God has resurrected this Jesus, the Jesus that you all killed. We are all witnesses of this. Therefore, since he has been exalted to the right hand of God, listen to it now, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit. He has poured out what you both see and hear. Are you with me? Okay? So they're looking around saying, you guys are drunk. Now what's going on? Peter's like, no, 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 let, let, let me just tell you something. First of all, let's get something straight. You guys are murderers, okay? okay? Now, the guy you murdered, raised from, from the dead, he's now seated at the right hand, of, that's Jesus, seated at the right hand of God, God the Father, and now everything Jesus talked about is being fulfilled. The Holy Spirit is being poured out. Listen to it now. That which you see and that which you hear is from God. You with me? You hearing this? Now, let's go to one more passage, and some of you are like, oh, my gosh, he's reading so much Bible. Welcome to church. The last time you went to a baseball game, you're like, oh, my gosh, they're playing so much baseball. I can't believe it, right? No, you're in church. We're going to get the word today. Amen? Acts 2, 37 through 41. Check this out. When they heard this, when they heard what? When they heard Peter preaching the gospel and calling him out, 
It says they came under deep conviction and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what must we do? And Peter continues his message and says, repent. Peter said to them, and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you, Lord, what we see in Scripture here today. And I pray, God, that you'd help me preach it. I pray that you'd help me teach it. And that we walk out of here with a greater understanding of what the Bible says about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and that it's available to us today as believers in Jesus mighty name. Amen. Amen. Um, I, would, I, I surrendered my heart. In other words, I became a Christ follower at the age of six, six years old. Anybody in here been serving Jesus, walking this faith journey for a little while and as a child, you gave your heart to Jesus? Anybody in here? Awesome. How many of you guys did that at the, at the teenage age? You just like, that was your, man, God got a hold of your heart. How many of you guys did that later on in life in your adulthood? Okay, how many of you guys need to do that today? Come on, we're, okay, nobody yet, but we'll get there, all right? Um, Man, I remember at the age of six, I remember that moment, and uh, man, it was such a powerful moment in my life. Um, I remember still today, Coles Road, Whidbey Island, Washington. We lived in this house, and my dad had just uh, been home for lunch, and he goes uh, back to work, and something that happened in that conversation uh, where my mom just felt like she needed to look at me and say, son, have you ever asked Jesus Christ into your heart? Now, I grew up in a Christian home. My dad was actually a pastor, and at, at a young age as a child, I thought my dad being a pastor just qualified me for, yes, I love Jesus, right? And Jesus is my Savior. But since I had such a great mom, at the age of six, she turned to me, and she realized that what many of us need to realize is that salvation doesn't come, my walk with Jesus Christ doesn't come because I came to church today. It doesn't come because of my mom or my dad. It comes because I make a conscious decision to say yes to the grace that's available to me through Christ Jesus. And so at the age of six, she turns to me and says, son, have you ever asked Jesus Christ in your heart? And I'm like, well, dad's a pastor. She's like, no, that's not it. And she explained, she literally explained, and she got the verses out, and she goes, do you want to ask Jesus in your heart? And I'm like, yes. And at the age of six right there, my mom prayed for me, and I got saved at the age of six. And I'm telling you, man, at the age of six, when I repented from all the cars I'd stole, all the girls I'd been with, and all the weed I'd smoked, and, okay, I'm just kidding, all right. I'm six years old, but can I just tell you something today? Because I think there's some of you sitting in here today that probably have a similar story to me, and, and you said yes to Jesus at a young age, and you hear somebody else's story and somebody else's testimony, maybe like, like my wife's that she shared on Mother's Day, or maybe you read our beautifully wrecked book, and, and you read her story and how, man, she was lost and hopeless, and man, she was on drugs and doing meth, and, and man, she had an abusive relationship, and she even tried to take her life, and then Jesus entered the picture, and all of a sudden now she's walking with him, and you're like, man, that is so such a powerful story. And then some of you even have said this, like, I wish I had a testimony like that. Trust me, you don't wish you had a testimony like that. Because you didn't live the hell she lived before she said yes to Jesus. But can I just tell you something today? Listen, it's not the garbage we lived through that makes our story powerful. What makes our story powerful is that the man, Jesus Christ, would come down from heaven and redeem our life and say, you have purpose, you have value, and you have meaning. Because the same Jesus that saved my wife from all of that stuff is the same Jesus that kept me from ever experiencing that stuff. Amen? And we need to know that it's Jesus. Jesus at the center is what makes the story powerful. He's the one that redeems. He's the one that restores. He's the one that gives purpose. So every single one of you sitting in here today, no matter what your story is, when Jesus is in it, man, it has powerful, it has purpose, and it has me. Amen? 
And I gave my heart to Jesus Christ, and I, I still remember that day. But I remember several years later now, and, and I, here I am, man, just I, I'm, I'm, I'm walking a path for Jesus at the age of six, seven, eight. And uh, I ended up at a youth camp, not because I was old enough, but because my mom was actually playing the piano for the worship ministry at this youth camp. And in this particular night, you know, my mom does the worship. She comes down. She sits with me, and I'm sitting there. And on this particular day, I remember, I'll never forget, the, the, the pastor that night was preaching about what I just read, read to you, about the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, because it's the first initial sign. And I'm listening, and I'm not fully understanding. I'm eight years old. But the Holy Spirit was doing a work in my life in that moment. And I'll never forget that as the, as the service wrapped up, the, the pastor, he gave a call. And, man, so many young people went up there. But I'm eight, and so I'm just sitting there like, that's really cool what's going on up there. And once again, my mom, right by my side, something came over, and she turned to me, and she said, hey, Ben, do you want to receive that? And before she gave the words out of her mouth, I'm like, yes. And she prayed for me. And I don't even know if it was more than five seconds she prayed for me. And, man, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit came up on my life. And I began to speak according to Scripture. I began to speak with a new language. And I just want you to know something that that was outside of salvation. This was one of the biggest pivotal moments of my life at the age of eight. That I felt the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. I felt the power of, of God in my life. And here's how I knew then, and here's what we see in Scripture, how I knew something different had happened in me is because I began to speak with a new language. It wasn't just an emotion. It wasn't just a sense like, oh, that was fun. No, there was a sign. There was a seal. It was obvious, man, the Holy Spirit had come on my life. And exactly what we just read to you today happened in my life. Peter, Matthew chapter 26. Here is a guy that had walked with Jesus for nearly four years had experienced all the miracles, had experienced all the, the, had experienced the crowds coming to hear Jesus. But even that, even walking with Jesus wasn't enough for him in that moment to say, yes, I'm with him. Yes, I belong to him. Yes, you're right, servant girl, I, I'm, I belong to him. No, instead he denied Jesus three times. But yet now in Acts chapter 2, we see Peter standing boldly, declaring the word of God, there was something that took place between that moment and this moment. And I believe we see it as I read it in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 18. But we also see this, the promise of it, of what's going to take place in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Let me read it to you. And this is Jesus before he leaves, before he ascends to heaven. He makes this promise to Peter and all the other disciples. And he says this, but you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you will be my witness in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We, it's undeniable that we see Peter being a bold witness, do we not? He's standing up, no fear anymore, preaches this message boldly. And so we can see that, yeah, that happened. But where does he receive the power. How do we know that the power of the Holy Spirit came upon him? I want you to know this out of Acts chapter 1a. I believe this is the moment where something, a game changer happens in Peter's life. Much like it did in mine. Much like it has for some of you and much like it will for some of you today. It's a game changer. Peter went from walking scared, from running scared to now bold. What was it? It was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1a, the word spirit here is the word pneuma meaning the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. 
But listen to the actual definition of pneuma. It means a current of air, a breath, or blast, or a breeze. Remember that sound you guys made? So when Jesus is talking about the Spirit coming, he says, hey, guys, the pneuma is going to come. Oh, oh, it's, and they know what pneuma is. They know it's a, a blast. They know it's a wind. They know it's a breath. And so now, in Acts chapter 2, as they're praying together, they know the Holy Spirit shows up because the Bible says a mighty rushing wind or a blast or a breath. And I can only imagine. They're like, whoa. That, that, do you remember Acts 1-8? No, they don't remember Acts 1-8. They didn't have an Acts 1-8, all right? We do, but they had memory of what Jesus said. They're like, hey, wait. Wait, this is what he said. What's going to come? It's here. How do we know they got infused with power? The word power is the word dunamis. It means strength, power, ability, power to perform miracles. So this dunamis is what they have. How do we know they had it? I mean, it's not like, hey, I feel like Pastor Ben. But why are you laughing? I should have Jeremiah come up here. Where's he at? How do we know that they received the power? How did they know? Was it just the wind? Oh, there's the spirit. No. Something happened in them. What happened in them? They begin to speak with a new language. You know what the Bible says? First mentioned principle when we're studying scripture. What's the very first thing that happened when the outpouring came? They begin to speak with their tongues. That, that is undeniable. We see it in scripture. There it is. And what's so cool about this moment is that even in this moment when they begin to speak with a new language, God in his sovereignty is demonstrating restoration. He's demonstrating restoration because if we were to rewind all the way back to Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, in the very first book of the Bible, we have Genesis chapter 11. And in Genesis chapter 11, what we see is all of the people that were on the earth at that time, the Bible says they had one common language. In other words, everybody understood each other, right? Go back and read it. Pretty cool. And they get together. And as they get together, they say, hey, guys, let's do this. Let's build a tower that reaches heaven. And these are their exact statements. Lest we be scattered abroad the face of the earth. In their design, in their mind, in their common language, they begin to, and in the wickedness of their heart, they begin to devise a plan. Hey, let's all stick together. And it goes against what the Bible says in Genesis 1, 26 through 28, where he says, hey, this is what I want from you, Adam and Eve. This is the command of man. I want you to be fruitful, and I want you to multiply, and I want you to fill the whole entire earth. This is the will of God. This is the design of God. Just go, fruitful, multiply, fill everything. And yet 11 chapters later, we see that they're going against the very will of God, saying, hey, guys, let's do this instead. Let's, let's do our will. Let's build a tower. We don't want to be scattered abroad. So the Bible says that God looks down. He sees the power of their unity with one common language. He sees the power of their unity, and he, and he makes a statement. Now, nothing they propose to do will be withheld from them. In other words, God's saying, hey, guys, I, I know you got your plan, and, I, man, that, that unity of one language is powerful, and you guys devised this plan, but you know what? Your plan's not going to prevail. My plan's going to prevail. And so God, in his sovereignty, because he wants his plan to prevail, comes down and he does what? This is where we have the Tower of Babel. He gives them many languages. And now they don't understand each other. 
And what they literally have to do, they're running around speaking different languages until they find someone that understands and can speak their language. Trippy. Right? This is Bible. And so in that moment, in his sovereignty, no, my plan's going to prevail. Many languages, they go, they disperse, they build communities, they fill the whole earth to fulfill God's plan. But now in the New Testament, Jesus comes, does a work of redemption, paves the way for the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit comes on the scene, and in this one moment, what does he do? He gives them one common language and begins to restore. Are you with me this morning? Outpouring of the Holy Spirit, restoration, one language, restoring, even in this one act. We have, and all of a sudden, the dunamis, the power begins to fill them. And then we have the second thing that we see in Acts 1.8 is they're going to be um, a witness or a martus, which is where we get our, our root word for martyr. And it means in a, a witness in a legal, historical or ethical sense. The very first outpouring, two things happen. Power, how do we know they receive power? They begin to speak in new tongues. That's different. I mean, how, do you, how do you know you've got power in an outlet? Not just because it's plugged in, right? There's something flowing out. How do we see the power here? Oh, that was a nice wind. No, there's a change inside of them. And they begin to speak with their tongues. And then we see him standing up boldly to be a witness. Something happens in Peter from Matthew chapter 26 to Acts chapter 2. And I believe with all my heart as I study scripture, I believe it is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that took him from a man that was running scared and denying Jesus to a man that could stand boldly preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I believe with all my heart that at the age of eight, when I was introduced to the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit came and filled me, that my life took a turn. It was a game changer. And the Holy Spirit has been leading me and guiding me ever since. And so I just want to tell you what I believe real quickly and tell you why I believe it simply by giving you scripture this morning. How many of you guys will give me about, wow, man, if you just, if you're joining us for the first time, we don't normally go this long, but we had baby dedications today in between services. Come on, we dedicated four children, three, three children to the Lord. Powerful. It's awesome. So thank you for bearing with us. But I just want to tell you what I believe and why I believe it simply by giving you scripture. How many of you guys will give me like five, 10 more minutes? 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 80 minutes. All right, here we go. Works every time. Here's what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you for a moment to put whatever filter you have on right now aside. And I know that's almost impossible. Um, I just inherited this beautiful uh, 1986 Harley Soft. Anybody ride bikes out there? Man, it is beautiful. It's fun to ride. But when I first got it, this thing was a little bit gutless. Uh, Brandon took it for a spin. He goes, I think there's something wrong with it. Um, and so I took it into the shop, and sure enough, man, the guy dug into it, and he said, well, the carburetors are all clogged up and some filters and things like that. And so he took care of it, put all this new stuff, and I got off. Literally, when I picked it up, I scared myself because I gave the gas, and I almost flew off the bike. Don't tell my wife, all right? I was like, wow, that was a little scary. <laughs> but you know what it needed? It just needed a new filter. And so this is what I want to I do because some of us, our filter has been so clogged with theology has been so clogged with teachings and so clogged with blogs and, 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 and just Googling stuff. And what is, can we just set that aside for a minute and just see what the Bible says? What the Bible says. See, this is what I believe today about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, and I want you to notice this. I'm saying what I believe. This is, as your pastor, as the pastor of Canvas Church, this is what I believe. I've been getting lots of questions lately, um, even in the lobby. Hey, pastor, do you guys believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Do you pray in tongues? Does other people pray in tongues? What? And they've been asking me. 
And so I, I want you to know that what I believe. But I also want you to understand that the, 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 the Christian world, the church, is kind of split on this. Now, there's one thing we're absolutely not split on, and that is that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, the life. That no one gets to the Father except through him. But there is a whole section of the, of the church world that, that, that might not see it the same way I do. But listen to me. I, 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 based on my experience, I lined it up with Scripture, and this is what the Bible says. And, man, this is powerful. I have it so much to know what I believe. Now, if you're sitting here today and you're like, man, I'm checking out. I don't believe it, Pastor. It's okay. It's okay, all right? This, this can still be your home. This can still be your community. This can still be your church, okay? I want you to know what I believe, what I see in Scripture. Here's what I believe. I believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit, number one, it's from God. It's from God. That Jesus paved the way through his word, but it's from God. Number two, I believe it's manifested in being a bold witness, absolutely. We see Peter doing that. But so many times we'll see that one. Oh, no, it's when you're filled with the Holy Baptist, that means boldness. Yeah, we see that. But we also see the other thing, which we kind of tend to skip over sometimes, and that's he spoke with a different language. We accept the one where he's standing boldly. Look at him preaching. But, but somehow we miss the one where it's like, but, yeah, he also did, did this. He spoke with a new language. I, I believe, yes, it shows up in a bold witness, but I also believe it shows up with speaking in tongues. I believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is available to every believer today. And here's why I believe that. Uh, Paul makes some claims. He actually says in 1 Corinthians 14, I wish all of you prayed in the Spirit. And when I read that and I study that out, it, he, he wishes that because it's available. And so that, I wish you just all did it, right? I also believe that because I don't believe I'm any more special than anybody else in this room. And if he did it for me, he'll do it for you. And so I believe it's available for every believer. Why do I believe that? I'm just going to give you straight verses now, okay, just straight scripture, and let you, and we'll close, and let you make your own decision today. Why do I believe that? I believe that because of John 7, 37 through 39. We can have the band begin to come if they want, because that gives people hope that I'm almost done. Right? In our, in our style of church, when people see the musicians, they're like, oh, thank you, Jesus, he's almost done. What you don't know is that when people begin to play, it just gives me more energy, and I can go longer. But you think what you want is okay. This is why I believe it. I believe it because of John 7, 37 through 39 that says, on the last and most important day of the festival, last day, most important day, here it is, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone is thirsty, he should come to me and drink. The one who believes in me, as the scripture has said, will have streams of living water flow from deep within him. He said this about the spirit, the pneuma, the blast, the breath of fresh air, the third person that got him. Those who believed in Jesus were going to receive the spirit, for the spirit had not yet been received because Jesus had not yet been glorified. In other words, it's coming. The refreshing of the Holy Spirit, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's coming. Why do I believe this as your pastor? Because of John 14, 15 through 16. It says, if you love me, you'll keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you. That's why I believe it comes from God. He will give you another counselor, capital C, speaking of a person, to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth or the pneuma of truth. 
John 14, 26, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, the Father will send him in my name and he will teach you all things and remind you everything I have told you. John 15, 26 says, and when the counselor comes, the one I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. John 16, seven through eight. Nevertheless, I'm telling you the truth. It is for your benefit. This is Jesus talking. It's for your benefit that I go away. It's for your benefit that I'm out of here and I go to heaven. Because if I don't go away, the counselor will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. When the spirit of truth, John 16, 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. He will also declare to you what is to come. In Acts 1, verse 5, right before we get to that verse 8, for John, this is Jesus talking again, it says, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. How do we know they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? How do we know someone was water baptized? Well, we saw them get in the water. They came up and they all wet. How do we know someone was baptized in the Holy Spirit? It's not just a feeling, it's not just an emotion, but we hear them speaking in a new language. Acts 1.8, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Acts 2, 1 through 4, we read it today. The Holy Spirit shows up, two things happen. They speak with new tongues, and they testify boldly. Acts 2.38, Peter says, we read it today. Repent, be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And what's going to happen? You'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts 4.31. And when they prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak God's message with boldness. Bold witnesses. Acts 10.44-46 says, While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came down on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astounded because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. How did they know this? Verse 46, for they heard them speaking in other languages and declaring the greatness of God. Acts 19, verse 1 through 6, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions and came to Ephesus and he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said, no. They told him, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then, what baptism were you baptized with, he asked. With John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people that they should believe in the one who had come after him, that is, in Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. How do we know the Holy Spirit came on them? Read on. And they began to speak in other languages and to prophesy. Mark 16, verse 16 through 17. It says this, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Amen. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will drive out demons, now listen to it, and they will speak in new 
languages. This is Bible. Listen to Luke chapter 11, verse 9 through 13. So I say to you, keep asking, and it'll be given to you. Keep searching, and you will find. Keep knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who searches finds. And to one who knocks, the door will be open. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? And too often times we stop right there at verse 12. And we relay this principle just simply to prayer. So just keep praying. Keep praying. Keep Look at what, 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 what Jesus is actually talking about. Verse 13. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? It's not just talking generically about prayer. It's not just talking about, hey, what are you believing for? Keep asking, keep knocking, keep seeking, it's coming. No, he specifically says, hey, if you want the Holy Spirit, how do we know the Holy Spirit has been poured out upon our lives? Not only because you're a bold witness, but because you have a new language. And if you keep asking, and if you keep seeking, and if you keep knocking, it's going to happen. Listen to me. If you could remove your filter for, for a moment, and all you had was this thing right here, without any pastor that ever preached to you, without any Bible degree you ever received, without any small group you've ever attended, without any Google available to you, and you just read the verses that I read to you, what would you walk away believing? I don't know about you, but this pastor walked away believing that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is available today for every believer, is from God, and is manifest not only in a bold witness, but a heavenly language. And if you're here today and you just keep asking, and you keep seeking, and you keep knocking, he's a good heavenly father, and he's gonna give you the Holy Spirit. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.